Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Um, let's get into it. Hebrews 5. Um, Hebrews 5. I'm going to pray and we're going we're gonna to begin. Let's go. Father, I love you, and, and we just thank you, Father, for for this time that we get to spend in spend with you and spend in your word, Lord God. Father, I pray that um, as uh, you give me the words to speak, Father, that uh, you would just you would just uh, open the hearts, open the minds of everyone listening to this this call, Lord God. Everyone listening later on on the the podcast or on the blog, Father, just reveal new things to us, Father. I pray to be your words that are heard not and not mine, Lord. Thank you for this time, Father. I pray that we would never take for granted the, the the privilege that it is to to have your word and to study your word and to learn more from your word, Father. So we praise you and we just thank you for this time in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. Hebrews 5. And I am reading from the New King James Version. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was said, it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, <coughs> excuse me, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen. Amen. Come on. All right. Make sure you get your cup of coffee because we're going to get into it. We have 14 verses, but there's a whole lot to unpack in 14 verses. So <clears throat> verse one says, for every high priest taken from among men, God established both the priesthood and the office of high priest in the days of Moses. And the writer of the Hebrews, he's summarizing the work of the high priest and saying that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. That The primary job of the high priest was to officiate either directly 
or, or indirectly sacrifices unto the Lord. And, and it says gifts and sacrifices for sins. It reminds us that not every sacrifice offered a blood atonement for sin. Many of, of the ritual sacrifices were, were intended as simple gifts to God, expressing thanks or uh, desiring fellowship to be closer to God. See, so we know we know that the high priest, you know, they did a lot of sacrifices, but the, but the high priest it was he was he was more than a butcher, right? He did more than just offer animals for sacrifices. It says he also had compassion for those who were ignorant and going astray. He ministered the atoning sacrifices with with a loving heart for the people. The high priest had this compassion because he understood that he himself is also subject to weakness. The high priest understood that they were also a sinful person, you know? So, so they were called to, to offer compassion to the people when it came to offering sacrifices because they too needed forgiveness for their sins. And God made, gave specific commands to, to help the high priest to minister with compassion. See, on the breastplate of, of their, their, their outfit, they had the, the 12 stones we talked about last week. And on each of the stones, was engraved the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they also had on their shoulder um, straps, there were also stones also engraved with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And this, the, the people of Israel were always on the heart and on the shoulders of the high priest. The intention was to stir the compassion and to realize the weight of their office. Verse three is because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. God also, God also made specific commands to help the high priest serve, knowing that he, again, he was also subject to weakness. The high priest wasn't perfect, but God made a way for them to not, never forget. On the day of atonement, the high priest had to offer sacrifices for himself first. Before the high priest could offer sacrifices for anybody else, he had to offer sacrifices for himself to remind himself and to remind the nation that he had sins to atone for, just like the rest of the, of the children of Israel. Just because the high priest was appointed to this position, you know, didn't mean that he was above forgiveness. He still had to go through the, through the, the act as well. Verse 4 says, then no man takes his honor to himself, but he who was called by God, just as Aaron was. The high priest was, was taken from the community of God's people, but he was not chosen by the God's people. Okay, He was taken by the community of the people, but he was not chosen by the people. The high priest was, was chosen by God for the people. The principle is that no man could just take the honor for himself. You know, there was, he couldn't campaign for it. He couldn't do anything like that. He had to be chosen by God to be the high priest. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was given by right of birth and therefore chosen by God. It was, it was an honor, again, that no man could take for himself. See, the, 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 the priesthood and the high priest came from the specific line of descent. Every priest came from Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And every priest came from Levi, one of the 12 sons of Israel. God set the tribe of Levi apart as a tribe to serve him and represent him to the whole nation. Now, Levi had three sons. 
You had Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And each of these three sons, the descendants of these three sons, each had their own specific uh, um, job within the tabernacle and later on within the temple. The, the, the descendants of Gershon, they were they, they, they were in charge of the fence, the tabernacle screen, and the curtains of their tabernacle. Kohath, they were in charge of the furnishings, the lampstand, the altar of innocent, uh, uh, incense, excuse me, and the Ark of the Covenant. And Merari, they were they, they cared for the, the, the pillars, the boards, and, and, and again, the tabernacle and the fencing. All right? these, these families were, you know, they were not properly priests, though they were Levites. And so they had a job, a specific job. The priesthood itself came from uh, uh, through Aaron, Aaron, the brother of Moses, from the family of Kohath. Aaron's family and, 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 and his descendants made up the priests and the later high priests, and they were able to serve in the tabernacle itself and offer sacrifices to God because of their family. The high priest was generally the eldest son of Aaron, except when if, if they disqualify themselves through sin, which is, you know, that, that happened in, in the Bible. The priesthood was not uh, a popularity contest. They weren't elected by the people, but again, they were chosen by God. Man did not appoint the high priest. God appointed the high priest. And there were case, there are cases in the Bible of individuals who, who were not priests, but acted as priests. They did the job of the priest and they weren't supposed to. In number 16, we read about Korah, who was swallowed up in, in, in an earthquake. King Saul was rejected from his place as king because he offered sacrifices, and he wasn't supposed to because he was not a priest. Uzziah, in 2 Chronicles 26, was struck with leprosy in the temple because he was trying to do things that he was not mandated to do. Today, brothers and sisters, we are prohibited from being our own priest. It's with it, it, you. We have a lot of arrogance when we think that we can approach God on our own without a priest. And it's also with with great superstition to think that we need any priest other than Jesus Christ Himself to come to the Father, because Jesus is the High Priest. He's the great High Priest. God provides provided Jesus as a mediator and a priest to us. And we must use Jesus to get to God. Verse 5 says, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. Jesus didn't make himself high priest. Okay? He didn't make himself high priest. But he was, just as he was declared to be the son in Psalm 2 verse 7, he was also declared to be the priest forever in Psalm 110 verse 4. It's easy to see why why. The, the, the priesthood of, of Jesus during that time was it was difficult for, for Jewish Christians to, to, to grasp this because Jesus wasn't from the line of Aaron. He wasn't from the tribe of Levi. You know, he never claimed um, or practiced any kind of ministry within the temple. He confronted the religious structure of that day instead of joining it. And and in, in Jesus' day, the priesthood had become a corrupt institution, and the office was gained through through politicking and, and, and really wrong ways. Verse 7 says, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, the agony of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane proved that he struggled with the difficulty of obedience, yet he obeyed perfectly. 
So, so this answers the question, how, how can, how can Jesus know what I'm going through down here? How could Jesus have any idea of what, what I'm struggling with? He knows. See, obedience didn't always come easy for Jesus. The ancient Greek word for supplications is hikateria, and it means an olive branch wrapped in, in wool. This is what the ancient Greek worshipers, they held and waved when they expressed their, their desperate prayers and their desperate desires. See, the, the supplications and the prayers of Jesus that took place in the garden, you know, it, it, that was what it was referring to. And Jesus, as the Lamb of God, offered the wool with the peace offering, trying to, when he says, you know, take this cup from me. Jesus knew what he had to do. He knew what was coming. He knew that the death, the torture, the agony, everything was coming. And he struggled with that. He struggled with obeying what he was called to do. But he still did it. So if you ever think, if you ever feel that there's no way that Jesus can ever feel how I'm feeling, there's no way that Jesus has struggled with what I'm struggling with, that is a lie because he struggled it, struggled with it. It says for in verse eight, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Though, though Jesus was God and is God, he still had to learn obedience. See, God, God's enthroned in the glories. He could only he could only ex, um, experience obedience by casting off the glory of, of the throne and humbling himself as Jesus did. J Jesus didn't pass from disobedience to obedience. He learned obedience by actually obeying. That's how you learn to, to obey. You just obey. You just do it. You may not understand it. God may have given you instructions and told you what to do, what he, what he wants from your life. And, and you know how you, how you learn to obey God? You just obey. Suck it up, buttercup, and just do it. That's how Jesus learned. It wasn't easy. The Bible never said that any of this was easy, for, even for Jesus. He still struggled, but he still obeyed. Jesus did not learn how to obey he learned what is involved in obedience. He learned the experience of obedience. And part of learning was enduring suffering. One thing that God in heaven does not know is the experience of obedience, right? God the Father in heaven does not know the experience of obedience. Why? Because God obeys no one. Everyone obeys God. But Jesus, the Son, the sun came down. And prior to take on this mortal flesh, he did not know the experience of obedience. But when he came down and took on this mortal flesh and became a man, he was able to experience obedience. That's why we have a great high priest who knows what you struggle with. He knows what you're going through. He, he knows because he was here on earth and he felt it. The angels, you know, they must have marveled as they saw God, the son who added, who added humanity to his deity, actually live out obedience because Jesus, he obeyed through his challenges. He obeyed when he was just living a normal life prior to beginning his ministry. 
He obeyed as a child. He obeyed as a teenager. He obeyed as a young man. He obeyed God, his father. He, he obeyed rightful human authority. Jesus Christ obeyed. Suffering, the, the suffering of the cross was also used to, to teach Jesus. So if suffering was good enough to teach the Son of God, if suffering was good enough to teach the Son of God, we must never despise it as a tool of instruction in our own life. Some might say, we might say that we, we might learn through suffering, but, but learning through suffering is actually only God's second best for us. He really wants us he, to learn through his word. That's why we go through so much stuff, brothers and sisters, because we are not digging into God's word. We are not learning the lessons from God's word. If you're not taking the time every single day in your alone time of digging into the word and asking God to reveal things to you, you're not learning the lessons that he wants you to learn. You are not going to be learning through suffering. See, it's never really God's plan to teach us through trials and sufferings. God doesn't just think of new ways, you know, you know, what trials and sufferings can I put Claudette through today? Hmm, let me think. Hmm, I got it. That's not how God is. That's not how God is. He intends for us to learn through his word. However, when we are not doing what we're supposed to do, if we're not spending time with the Lord, we're not digging into this word, then the Lord may send some trials to get your attention, to get you back focused. The Bible never teaches that, that strong faith will keep Christians from all suffering. Christians, we're, we're appointed to, to suffer some afflictions. 1 Thessalonians 3.3 says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. And it's through tribulations that we can enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And our present sufferings is, is a, a prelude to future glory. Romans 8, 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 9 says, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation. Jesus' experience uh, of suffering and resurrection made him perfectly suited to be the author of salvation. Sometimes when, when, when a person uh, dies and leaves an inheritance, it never gets to the right people, right? You, you hear about things in the news where, where, where people, they, you know, they were supposed to receive, receive an inheritance and, and through one reason or another, they didn't get it, right? But Jesus died and he left us an inheritance. And we have, and he lives to make sure that his people receive this inheritance. See, that's a promise that we have that other people don't have. That we have a, a, a father in heaven, Jesus, who is ensuring that we receive the inheritance that we're due. 
And this salvation is, is extended to all who obey him. And in, in the sense, all who obey him is used to, to describe those who believe in him. Verse 11 says, since you have become dull of hearing. Now, verse 10 said that Jesus, the high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was, um, we read about Melchizedek in, in, back in Genesis 14. And uh, Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek. At the time, he was the king of Salem. Salem became Jerusalem later on. And he was also the priest of God the Most High. So Jesus is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek because Jesus is both a king and a priest. So that's what that means when it talks about the order of Melchizedek. See, the author um, of Hebrews, he feared that the, uh, the discussion of Aaron, Melchizedek, and Jesus would, would sound uh, uh, too academic and, 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 and uh, uh, theoretical to his readers. But at the same time, he recognized that this said more about the dull hearers than it did about the message. It wasn't that the message was too complicated. It was that the, 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 the hearers were uh, dull of hearing. Being dull of hearing is not a problem with the ears physically, but it's a problem with the heart. The hearer isn't really interested in what God has to say. Not wanting to hear the word of God points, points to a genuine spiritual problem. It can, be, it, it can be a reason for unanswered prayers. If you're praying to God, but you're dull of hearing, you're you will not be able to have your, your prayers answered because you're not really listening to what God is telling you. Proverbs 28, 9 says, one who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers is an abomination. Are you really listening to what God is trying to speak to you? Or are you only listening, listening to what you want God to speak to you? Because if you're not listening in the right way, if the Lord is speaking to you, the, sometimes the Lord, it's like the Holy Spirit is shouting at you. And we still refuse to hear. He's giving you every, he's telling you exactly what to do, what not to do. Those things you may be, may be struggling with and you, oh, but that's, that's okay. That's not a problem. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to talk to him or her. I don't want, stop it. Or he's telling you, go, go, go. And you're still like, but God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not, I'm not hearing you because you're dull of hearing. Christians who feel like giving up on Jesus are dull of hearing. And, and, and the, the, the dullness usually comes first. Then the desire to give up comes. When the, when the word of God seems dull, we should regard it as a serious warning sign. The word, when it says, it says uh, uh, you have become, the word become is very important because it indicates that, you know, that you didn't start out dull of hearing, but you became that way. Therefore, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is, is warning again about this. Hebrew, Hebrews is a book of warnings. These Christians, you know, they needed to be encouraged. They need to be comforted. They needed to be taught. But they also needed to be warned. Verse 12 says, uh, by this time, 
you ought to be teachers. Okay, what's this mean? See, according to the time they had been followers of Jesus, they, they should have been much more mature than what they were. It wasn't that these were unique people who should just hold the role of teaching. Okay. Instead, they ought to be teachers in the sense that every Christian should be a teacher. That doesn't mean you need to be in front of a, a group of people teaching a lesson. Doesn't mean that you need to be, you, you need to be teaching a Bible study or, or, or whatnot. But it, it could be discipling someone else, another young follower, a young Christian. You know, the God may have placed someone in, in, in your path that they need to hear from you. They need to hear your testimony. You need to journey with them. But here in the book of Hebrews, we have we had Christians who, by the point when this was being um, written, they should have been there and they weren't. There is an important sense that every Christian must be a teacher because we can all help disciple others. We really only master something after we have effectively taught it to someone else. Teaching is the final step of learning. Who are you teaching? Who are you leading? Who are you discipling? Who is that person that God has placed in your path? Who is that person right now that's coming to your mind that the Holy Spirit has placed in your heart that you need to take a more active role in discipling them? It says, and you have come to need milk. Milk corresponds with one of the first principles that we're going to read about when we get into Hebrews 6. Um, and Hebrews 6, 12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there's a difference between milk and solid food. Solid food is, is meatier. It's deeper. It isn't that milk is bad, right? But, but these, these Christians should have added solid food to their diet. First Peter 2.2 2 reminds us, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. There is a time for milk and there's a time for meat, brothers and sisters. What are you going after? What are you seeking out? Because if all you're doing is getting the milk of the word, the basics, you guys have graduated, all right? Most of you here have been, you know, Christ followers for a while. You're serving in the church. You're leading groups, but you're still going after milk. You're, you're afraid of the meat of the word, of getting deeper into it. I spoke to, a, to a, a someone uh, in the church quite a, quite a few weeks ago. And they were frustrated because, because they were like, um, man, you know, the, the, the preaching, everything is good, but you know, but I need some, I need some meat. I need some, I need to get deeper. You know, I'm like, okay, so um, what are you doing? Well, I'm just, you know, hoping that one day I come here on a Sunday and, and you know, the, the, I, I get that meat that I need. I'm like, well, brother, like, are, are you in a connect group? Oh, well, I can't do that because blah, 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 blah. Every excuse in the book. Are you serving? Are you, are you connected? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, I can't. Every excuse in the book not to get deeper. Yet he was mad that he wasn't being fed, you know, deeper word. 
it is your responsibility, brothers and sisters, to get to the meat. It's your responsibility. Our baby, she eats everything now, okay? She eats everything. She eats everything. Oh, my God, it's, it's ridiculous, okay? Um, but if we continued, she's, she's a year, about to be a year and a half. If we were still just giving her milk and refused to give her anything else, she wouldn't survive because she needs more sustenance. She needs, you know, richer, you know, heavier foods to, to satisfy, you know, the needs of her, her young body. The same thing goes for us. If all we're doing is getting milk, we are, we are slowly dying spiritually. And we're wondering why we're not being fed and we get frustrated. And then we become dull hearers of the word. We're not listening anymore because we're so frustrated. Because we're still acting like children. We should be eating the meat of the word. But instead, we want to we want to continue to be spoon-fed the milk. And you're beyond that. You've grown beyond that. Take the leap of faith to dig deeper into the word. Take a leap of faith. It says in verse 13, for, for he is a babe. In the, the ancient uh, Greek sense of the original uh, translation of this was he has become a babe. Being a true babe in Christ is amazing. Those of us who've been serving the Lord for, for a, a long time, when, when you see a new Christian and the, just how happy and excited they are, you know, that pure joy of knowing who God is, it's beautiful. And it reminds us how far we've come, you know, how far God has taken us, I should say, because we didn't do anything. It's all God who has taken us. But there's, there's not at the same time as, as, as delightful and amazing as that is, there's nothing more irritating and depressing than someone who should be mature, but who has become a babe. It's like they've regressed. So I'm going to close with this. Have you become a babe? Have you gone backwards in your walk with God? Have you stopped seeking after the meat? And you're being content. You're just content with the milk. Are you being dull hearers of the word and you're getting frustrated? Have you become a babe? Perhaps, you, you know, your, your Christian life is unstable. See, babes, they're, 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 they're handed from one person to another, right? Everyone wants, wants to hold the babe, but spiritual babes, they're tossed by every word of doctrine. Everything that comes out of, you know, whoever's preaching the word, they're, they're so conflicted about what that means. What, 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 the, what does this mean? What does that mean? That's a babe. Perhaps you're divisive in your Christian life. See, babes, they, they, they have their own crib and they stick to it. Just like, you know, uh, uh, spiritual babies, they, they have their one particular church, their one particular denomination, right? They go into the church. They got to sit in the same spot. They're so wrapped up in, in all the small details. Perhaps you're, you're, you're starstruck by, by Christian celebrities. See, babes, they're focused on one person, usually their mother. But spiritual babes, they glory in men and what men can give them. Perhaps you're spiritually asleep. 
babies need a lot of sleep, especially when they're first born. They need a lot of sleep. But spiritual babes spend more time, more time spiritually asleep. Perhaps you're you're fussy and cranky with others because babies can be cranky, but spiritual babes, they fuss over any little thing. Everything in the church bothers them. They can never be satisfied. They're always angry. Have you ever met that, 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 that Christian who's always angry, always upset, always frustrated? And it's like, you in church, you in the house of God, what do you got to be angry for? You were woken up this morning. You have breath in your lungs. You're walking on, on your own two feet. As Brother Bob would say, I'm vertical and I'm still moving. You know, you have something to be grateful for. There's no reason to be fussy and cranky. So where are you at, brothers and sisters? Are you dull hearers of the word? Are you spiritually still babes? Or are you more mature, seeking the meat of the word of God, seeking to continue to grow and to get deeper? That's a question only you, you can answer. I pray that if you're finding yourself in the former where you're, you're spiritually still young, you're just you're, you're content with the milk, that you seek the Lord even deeper. Come to one of the other leaders in the church, connect group leaders, dream team leaders, staff members, one of the pastors, and, and how can I get deeper? And I promise you, we will help you. We will pray with you. We will help equip you to get there. But this is a journey, brothers and sisters, that only you can go through. I can't go through your spiritual journey for you. Doug, Bob, the other elders, the other pastors, we cannot go through this spiritual journey for you. You have to go through it. But you have to be willing to be obedient and to do what the Holy Spirit is instructing you to do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just, we're just so grateful for your word, Lord. We are so grateful for the word that continues to teach us. Sometimes it, it, it'll shine a light on where we're lacking, but it also shows us that if we just continue to, 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 to be focused on you, Lord God, continue to focus on your word, that you will carry us, you will take us where we need to go, and we could be more spiritually mature. We could be teachers of the word, not just young babes just wanting to be spoon-fed. So, Father, thank you for this reminder. We praise you for what you're doing in each and one of our, every one of our lives. Father, bless everyone on this call right now who's listening, Lord, and bless everyone who's going to listen to it later on, Father. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. I will see you again next week. God bless.